Welcome to Aftersight, your home for stories for people just like you. Your vision loss journey isn't something to be ashamed of. Take a listen. And that's the main thing I remember learning when I was taught the slack line when I still had vision is don't look at the line below you, but look at your anchor point that's solid ahead of you. If you want me to cook your dinner, you have to put somewhere to go. <laughs> and I suppose part of this was also my own trying to figure out who I was and how to be in the world in this very new way. Prop, I would say a potted plant because I get sad when the flowers would like wilt, mm. you know, oh. eventually. I'm going to say fresh cut flowers because then I don't have to worry about killing a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at taking care of These people all have the same thing in common. You. Their stories are for your encouragement, your determination, and your inspiration. This is Aftersight. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Aftersight. I'm your host, Penn Street. It's been a bit of a crazy week here for me. Um, If you've been following along as a listener to the podcast, um, you know how just absolutely important downhill skiing is to me and on Martin Luther King Day, which was a couple of weeks ago now in uh, podcast land. But I fractured my left wrist in a, in a fall skiing. And it's a, it's a huge bummer because whenever I get hurt as somebody who's visually impaired, I always blame it on my vision. Like, ah, I should have been paying attention more. I should have focused more. And that's actually not entirely true. <laughs> Lots of people who can see... Uh, you know, perfectly fine have falls. And and you can actually see uh, the fall if you guys are into that and you have some vision. You can go to Ragged and Funny on TikTok and you can actually see the actual fall happen. I've not skied since the fall. Um, I was hoping to go back up this weekend, but uh, the, it's I'm still dealing with a lot of pain and everything. It's it's a huge bummer for me, and and I'm really using all those tools in my toolbox to keep keep myself in a positive light. Um, do the things that you know maybe I can't heal the fracture as fast as I want to, but I can make sure I don't get into that spiral into those dark places. Definitely, skiing is is my happy place. And speaking of happy places, today's guest has really had to find find her new happy places. Um, she was, you know, in places that maybe she wasn't counting on. Um, when we come back, Jennifer Cleveland uh, will share her journey on really finding the redirection of her path of being a healer and maybe not in the way she thought her career was going to go and really had to pivot into new avenues of being um, and being a healer and what that means to her. And I'm really excited for all of you to meet her. So stay tuned and don't go away. When we come right back, Jennifer's going to join us. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Jennifer, welcome to Aftersight. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. Well, Jennifer, I'd like to start off the show with just some kind of rapid fire questions so the audience gets to know you a little bit better before we dive in. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. Don't don't be be afraid. (laughs) If you could change a moment in time, what would it be for you? Oh, um, hmm. I have no idea. Wow. (laughs) And that's, that's that's okay. That actually tells a lot about, like, uh, tells our audience a lot about you. Um, Because sometimes people can rattle off a ton. So... So that's kind no, of awesome. I mean, I believe I believe a lot that things everything's in divine order. So, mm. um, you know, the universe is conspiring in my favor, even if it's bad and feels terrible in the moment. That I do think yeah. it is conspiring in my favor. So, a moment probably I couldn't think of anything. Um, I could think of something, you know, a couple of things I'd have rather done differently, but they weren't a moment, you know. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, obviously, this is where I'm supposed to be. So, Oops. you know. Absolutely. (laughs) We're we're on the same page there. What did you want when you were a little girl? What did you want to be when you grew up? I had absolutely no idea. I didn't, (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't envision myself as an, I mean, I felt like I didn't feel right in my child's skin. Like I knew I was supposed to be an adult. I feel, I feel the older I get, the more comfortable I feel. I feel like I should be an old lady, you know, (laughs) but um, I had no idea. I had no, no idea what I was going to do. Nothing was really, um, nothing really drew me in any direction. I had no, no clue. (laughs) So I'm not doing very well at these questions. No, it it actually, it's really fascinating because it kind of, that answer goes along with the answer, the previous answer, right? Like you, you're on, you're in this journey and you're where you're supposed to be. And, um, maybe you don't need to look ahead because, it's yeah. going to happen because you're you're on the path. You're on the journey where where you're supposed to be. So, yeah, I think you need to do the best you can with what's in front of you. You know, show mm-hmm. up your best, prepare, be strong, be educated, you know, just whatever happens in front of you do work at it. And I love then, that. because it's preparing you for what's coming and it's that, you know, what's those blessings that are being created around the corner that you can't even imagine you're being prepared for them. So, but you do have to show up for what's in front of you and you have to do your best for what's in front of you. Mm. And then this, this is a question. And again, it might be going in the same direction, but if Mm. you could see one more thing super clearly in your life right now with your eyes, what would it be? I think faces. I miss mm. being able to see people's expressions, you know, yeah. when we're talking. I miss, I miss um, emotions being, being able to read emotions and see mm. people's emotions. I miss that because yeah. I had friends who were crying in front of me and I didn't know it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they weren't until they started, they hunched over and they started, oh, you know, making yeah. whatever, you know, right. or they wiped, they reached up and wiped their face. I didn't know they were crying, right. you know, things like that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I would like to be able to see people's emotions. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's I you know I call them silent tears. Like I can't see silent tears, Mm-mm, and so and and that happens a lot. You it know? does, and and it's it's hard to react to that unless they're speaking and you can kind of hear it in their voice or or like you said right. if they're hunched over like their body mannerisms are very exaggerated then then definitely yeah yeah, yeah. that's great. 
Okay, this one is hopefully a little more fun. <clears throat> Jennifer, if you had a theme song, what would it be? Well, that one's easy. Rise oh. by Katy Perry. Oh, I love that. That's, I love that. that. She wrote that for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But we'll make sure that Katie knows that. <laughs> right. That it's Jennifer Cleveland's name on it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Jennifer, I know that your your vision loss came on, you know, pretty suddenly without warning. And well, it actually, been... I did have some warning. We just, it, it, it in the end there, it kind of came on quickly. It was... It was a process over about 10 years, but it was very slow and we kept trying to figure it out. And then with the ramping up of the trying different medications and things like that, that made it worse. And um, so then it came on and then it just after that, it started really kind of coming on much quicker. So, Mm. yeah. Can you share the diagnosis with our audience? Because I was I was in shock when I heard it, I didn't know there there was such a thing. And yeah, we need to get the word out about it because we it, it, it's so scary that this is even a possibility and people don't know about it, including doctors to check for it. Yeah. Autoimmune retinopathy due to celiac disease. So gluten, eating gluten, um, it triggered my celiacs and it attacked my retinas. And I was already going to Baskin Palmer, the number one eye institute in the United States, mm-hmm. being one of the top retina specialists in the United States. And she couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And we were trying everything possible, all the drugs. We tried an experimental treatment. Um, she tested me for everything. I had nothing. Um, they did do an experimental blood test that showed I did have some sort of autoimmune disease, but they couldn't put a finger on it. Wow. And eventually... You know, I became legally blind. And then about maybe a year after I was visually impaired, um, I ran into a woman who we were just talking about symptoms. And she said that she had celiac disease. Her cousin uh, also had celiacs and that her this woman was having these strange signs and symptoms. And the cousin said, you know, it's a genetic disease. You should go get tested. And she went and got tested. And sure enough, she had celiacs. So she went off gluten and all of her symptoms went away. So I went into my doctor and, um, he said, all right, you know, he was a pretty liberal doctor. So he said, yeah, we'll test you, but you got to go home and load. So I had to eat a whole bunch of gluten. So I ate like, oh. I had, uh, what are the saltine crackers and stuff like that? And I just kept them and I ate them every three hours. I kept some around me and, um, I, uh, kept, you know, I had a hamburger. We had a kid's birthday party. So I had pizza and beer, you know, everything. And right. then three days later, my face was swollen, everything, and I did <gasps> the test, and it came back positive. Now, they had already tested me for everything else in the world, so they went ahead wow. and considered that diagnostic. Um, normally, you have to, unless it's changed, I could be wrong, I haven't checked into this, but I think you have to do an endoscope, and they have to check your your upper intestines. They take a little piece and test it, but they considered mm. that diagnostic for me and just said that I had celiac disease. So I went off of gluten, and when I went off gluten, all the degeneration just stayed still, stopped. You know, I haven't gotten any worse since then. So since then, my doctor now tests her patients for celiac disease. But unfortunately, I've spoken with a lot of doctors, even GI doctors, who don't take it seriously. And they've um, they said, well, it's just a GI um, issue or disease, and it doesn't affect Mm -hmm. any other organs, which we know is not true, that... There's actually been people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia and and bipolar and come to find out they just had celiac disease. 
and they just went wow. off of gluten and all their symptoms went away. It attacks your joints. It attacks your connective tissue. It can attack your thyroid. Um, you know, it, it attacks everything. And um, it's pretty serious. But the great thing is, is it's easily preventable. All you have to do is stop eating gluten. Wow. And I... And I mean, I, I have Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which is an autoimmune, and it affects the, all of the soft tissue in the body, including the organs. And so it, it's crazy to me that they don't think that other autoimmune <laughs> issues affect the other organs, you know, well, or soft tissue. Well, hearts. I mean, that's why they call it practicing medicine. I mean, Western <laughs> medicine hasn't been around that long, you know, and they're they're trying to figure it out. But luckily, it seems like they're starting to realize, well, we don't really know what we're doing. We haven't been around that long. So, right, we, you right. know, we've got all these other practices like acupuncture and all these others that have been around for thousands of years that have, a, in my opinion, a little better <laughs> understanding of the body. And they're all kind of coming yes. together now. And I think a lot of people are you know, are figuring out more things because of that. They're realizing that everything is connected. There is no, there is no separation anywhere in the body. I literally had tennis elbow one time from walking with my dog. We were, it was in the winter in Florida, which is wonderful. We'd get up every morning and go for a walk and he was so Uh. frisky and I kept having to correct him. And so I got tennis elbow and Mm. I wanted to go to physical therapy. I had to get a referral. So I went to an ortho and he said, oh no, there's no way that doing that or working, you know, with your shoulder or anything else is going to help the tennis elbow because um, it, you just need a shot of steroids. And uh-huh. he, he would not believe that it could be coming from my shoulder, my, uh, my neck, my upper back from, from correcting the dog. Wow. And so finally I got to physical therapy and they found that it was actually in my lats and oh. in my tricep which was causing the tennis elbow. But he, he said that it's not possible for the, the back, the shoulder, the neck, any of that to cause wow. tennis elbow. And so it's hard to work with people like that when they don't understand yeah. how the body works together, you know? Right, right. And you come from a medical background, you know, you were... Yes, um, you I was know, a paramedic. And, and a, yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you kind of saw that other side when you, before you lost your vision and got this, you know, extremely rare diagnosis, did you feel the same way you feel now? Like, were you, you know, were you looking in, in, at other practices like Eastern medicine and Buddhism? And like, was that, did that happen? Was that part of your life before the diagnosis or did that all come after the diagnosis? So it was a little bit. Um, I was always very, um, I had a I have a deep, deep faith in God. So I always had that, but I was Christian mm-hmm. and I was a personal trainer for about 10 years and then became a paramedic. So I was always into health and fitness and I, I was into, you know, vitamins and supplements and things like that. And I believed in acupuncture and I went to it every once in a while and I exercised and I believed in meditation and I did that, but I didn't do it to the level that I do it now. Mm-hmm. And, but I did understand that everything was connected and this kind of stuff, like it doesn't just happen that there's some reason that things are happening. And a lot of it uh, very often could be energetic or yeah. spiritual or, you know, traumatic things like that, um, that cause the issues in the body. But when I became visually impaired, um, it was either find a new way, you know, to survive or don't survive. And the right. new way was, um, 
led me down a much deeper spiritual path and led me down, you know, a, a traditional medicine path of like acupuncture and herbs and, you know, spiritual anything, you know, <laughs> basically, right. so that I could find my way through this storm and through this forest. Right. And, uh, came, you know, I came out the other side, you know, tweaking my beliefs and altering things and, you know, just finding things that worked for me. And so it's, it's all kind of a blend now, but no, I, I ought to, honestly, I, I wouldn't even like know the Jennifer from before. I mean, I wouldn't mm. hang out with her. You know, um, <laughs> I was, you know, I was, you know, an adrenaline junkie paramedic, you know, I worked at a trauma yeah. center, um, you know, think fast, talk fast, react fast. Um, you know, it was just a, I was a different person. I, I don't even, I don't even recognize myself. So how did you, for the, our listeners out there, you know, they're all over the world and some of them, yes, may be experiencing vision loss, but some others might be going through some other trauma in their lives. How did you go from this adrenaline junkie working in this trauma unit to finding your way through the storm, like you said? Like one of the things you shared, which just boggles my mind, but I do still, I hear it a lot, is that when you lost your vision, you had to give up your career, you had to give up driving, your whole life changed. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yet, nobody told you, at least at first, and I think you went a year without having access to accessible technology, um, orientation and mobility and those kinds of things that as, as, as a visually impaired person myself, I really rely on, like, I can't imagine going through that storm as you called it or that forest without tools. Like how did you go from, <laughs> how did you pivot from that adrenaline junkie to finding where you are, where you found a safe place that, that you could kind of rejuvenate and, and get, get going on this journey that you're on? Well, it was definitely the hardest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. You know, when I became visually impaired, I thought that was it. You know, I had just gotten married and I thought that was it. I'm just going to be a housewife. Um, uh, you know, life's over for me and my freedom and my independence are gone and that'll be it. And it, it's, it's weird because, you know, I worked in an emergency room with social workers and none of the social workers, they all knew I was going blind and none of them said to me, you know, there's services out there. Oh. And I also, but I didn't think to look for services. I could have Googled it, but I didn't think about it. I think right. that I had that fully sighted mind that just life's over, I guess, when you become visually impaired and, you know, you, I had no, there were no visually impaired people in my life other than like my grandma whose eyes, you know, got bad and she couldn't drive anymore. But right. no people that I knew um, that were younger, that had a career, that were living life, you know? Yeah. And so I did what I think most sighted people think blind people do, which is just kind of disappear. And um, it was hell. It was horrible. And, you know, I went through all, through all five stages of grief repeatedly. Wow. And I, I just couldn't live like that. You know, I was used to being useful in the emergency department. I was used to living life, um, going out and doing, you know, anything I wanted and, you know, hiking and going whitewater rafting and 
you know, all the stuff that we want to do in life. Right. I was used to doing all that on my own and I could no longer do it. And then the sighted people around me were now making decisions that I shouldn't be doing it. So they're making decisions Uh for me. And, um, and so then, you know, I just started not getting invited to places and doing things because, uh, you know, somebody had to guide me, somebody had to read the menu to me, you know, and it was embarrassing and people would ask questions and say stupid things. And then, um, people, my guides would run me into things or step me off a curb and I'd fall or something like that. You know, I became, Mm. I became the problem. Right. And so it was bad. And I eventually, oh, and my husband became, became a very bad husband, everything that bad husbands do. He started doing all of that. And so, and I was, you know, left at home and very often left with my stepdaughter who I call Mm. my daughter, but left with my stepdaughter, I raised her and we were left there to fend for ourselves. And it was bad. And I called my mom one day and I said, I am not going to survive like this. Um, Something's got to give. And she called my dad and my dad, they're divorced. She called my dad and he's in the lion's club. And I, to this day, don't, Uh he's on the other side. So I can't ask him. She asked, she told him, she said, we got to do something for Jennifer. And he said, we'll call the lion's club in the area. So she called the lion's club in my area. And then they told her about the Brevard Association for the Advancement of the Blind and the Center for the Visually Impaired. And she called those two organizations. And then they called me mm-hmm. and got me signed up for services. Wow. And that's when everything changed because mm. BAB, Brevard Association for the, for the Advancement of the Blind, is a volunteer organization. It's just a bunch of visually impaired people and some sighted people who volunteer. And they get together and they teach each other what they know. And they wow. have classes and everything like that. And then CBI has actual you know, teachers with a master's degree in blindness rehabilitation and the teachers come to you and stuff like that. And they have vocational right. rehab. So that's when everything changed because I started meeting people who were just like me and yeah. everything that I was going through, they were going through. Yeah. Our stories were all the same. If there was another young woman, she was going through exactly the same thing I was going through. Mm-hmm. That's when I started to feel some hope again. And like, I'm not alone. You know, it's not me that's yeah. the problem. I'm the blind lady here, you know? Yes, and, yes. Um, then it's like the spark started coming back up. And I always use the the saying, you know, like the fire inside me burns um, hotter than the fire outside of me. Oh, so it I started love that. Lighting, it, it started lighting back up again. And I started, I was like, no, I've got to, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I want to feel happy again. I want to feel joy again. I want, I want adventure again. Yeah. So... I knew that I had to find balance. You got to find balance in, you know, the mental, the spiritual and the physical. So I was getting some of the mental because I was going to BAB and I was learning technology and learning how to just do kinds of stuff. Like how do you tactile stuff? Like how do you tell what spice you have and what do you have in your (laughs) hand kind of thing? And how do you, how do you organize your closet? That kind of stuff. And then uh, I started doing real classes with CBI and learning my computer and learning an iPhone and, that changed the world. Yeah. The day I got my white cane was an extremely traumatic uh, event <laughs> because now I'm the blind lady with the white cane. You know, <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, it's not a secret anymore, right? <laughs> it's not a secret. Now before, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, they, if you're not really paying attention, you know, I'm just walking on somebody's arm and you're not really paying attention. You're like, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe she's drunk or something. I don't know, but, you know, <laughs> but now I'm, I've got a white cane. You know, everybody knows. And so it was really defeating and it was really, um, it was just hard. And then the people around me didn't support me and didn't understand me. And um, Mm. that pain that I was going through and 
um, with now being, uh, you know, I'm the blind lady now. There's no denying yeah. it. Yeah. There's no denying it. I, I had to dive deep into my spirituality at that point. And so I just started searching and I found um, Buddhism and I was Buddhist for a couple of years. That really helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. What about Buddhism? Did you... Did you feel so helpful? That was helpful. So it's all about me. It's all about Mm -hmm. taking charge of me. I'm responsible. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for my thoughts. I'm responsible for my behavior. I'm responsible for everything. And um, if I want things to change, I have to change it. And so I I had to get a hold of my thoughts. I had to get a grasp of those thoughts because they were out of control. You know, I was putting myself down for being the blind lady with the cane or I was whatever. I'm a burden. I'm so kind of shifted that shame to being accepting. Yeah. It was like, it was a do or die literally situation. It was either Mm. switch and become step into this new life or um, die in the old one. And, and so I, you know, I had to, I had to move forward. You know, I had to move forward for a couple of reasons. You know, I I knew if I killed myself, it would tell, it would be terrible for my mother. And then my stepdaughter who I've called my daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, those two, I couldn't do that too. So I had Mm -hmm. to do this and I had to show my daughter that you have to overcome obstacles. I I mean, I had to show her that, you know, life is going to throw a whole bunch of obstacles at you and you've got to overcome them. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to, cry about it. It's okay to, um, be a little mad, you know, but then you've got to get back in the game. You got to get back in the game, you know? And so that's what I did. And the spiritual practice opened my heart and gave me some peace, reconnected me. Um, and then I, not only was I Buddhist for a little bit, but then I, I went, I found this spiritual center here in town and started going there and taking classes and, um, talking with the owner and she became my, my, basically my spiritual teacher and guiding mm. me, you know, things were changing, but it was an intrinsic change at this point. And so yeah. that's when stuff started really opening up. Mm. I was like, I, you know, I, I can do this. I want to work again. You know, I want to yeah. be useful again. I want to be a part of something great again. Like I was yeah. in the emergency room, saving people's lives or at least trying, you know, Yeah. but I didn't know what that would look like. So I went to my spiritual teacher and she said, you know, Jennifer, you're supposed to be a yoga teacher. And I had only taken seven yoga classes in my entire life. And oh. I said, that's, I'm not doing that, you know? And she's like, no, that's what you're supposed to be. And so oh. I went back to my teacher from CBI, Karen, and I told her and she said, yeah, absolutely. And she jumped right on it and she pulled the computer out. We found the best training in town. We called and talked to the owner and they signed me up and oh. I started teacher training. Wow. You know, Going through the teacher training, well, it wasn't easy because I couldn't read any of the books because none of them were on audio. And uh, the Library of Congress refused. This is a, a big one. They refused to record them because they literally told me that a blind person should not be doing yoga. It's too dangerous. And they refused to record my books. Oh, no. I called the ADA and to file a report. And they were the guy that I spoke to was appalled. I mean, he was so upset and he, he filed the report and then he went and did the research and he came back and he was almost in tears. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you can't file an ADA report against a federal entity. (gasps) I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's what he said. And he said, I can't file it across uh, uh, against the, um, the uh, library of Congress. 
And wow. he said, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing I can do. And he was so upset. So what did you do? How did you get the recordings? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I went through yoga teacher training without books. And um, I, you know, I could go online at this point. I had a big Apple computer and I went online and I would look up pieces. Yeah. Um, like if like the yoga sutras, I would go look up like yoga sutra one and the, mm. it would show up on Google. And so I could I could then have the computer read it to me or I could zoom it in and read it. So I did that. But the other books, I, a lot of them I couldn't do that with. And so I missed, I mean, I, I knew enough to graduate, but I missed a lot of the teachings. So I didn't really get, I think, really good at teaching yoga for a couple of years because I missed so much. Now a lot of the books are on audio and I've read them now. And then, so it was just, it was literally, it was one step at a time. So when I, I started teaching yoga, and then I was like, you know what? I can do this, but I want to do more. And then I became a Thai yoga massage practitioner. Oh my and, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And then, um, you know, after that, I, and then it was like, this is great. I want to do something else to, you know, I want to add to that now. I, and then I started thinking I wanted to give back to the organizations in the area because I suffered for a year yeah. with um, no services. Nobody in the area knows. Even none of my doctors told me about the services. And oh. so um, I called up CVI because they're the big organization asked what I could do. So they they asked me to do raising of awareness and speeches and, um, you know, fundraising. So, yeah, we put on I was the chair for four big fundraising events. And then they put me on the board and I, I was on the board for a while. And and I just did a lot of getting out in the community and talking to every doctor in town, every eye doctor, especially, but all the doctors in town. Um, going to every organization and just telling people, you know, there's no reason anybody should suffer the way I suffered. Absolutely. You know, and so it was one step at a time. So that and that gave me a lot of confidence getting out because I started speaking. I've never been a public speaker. One of the good <laughs> things about being blind as a public speaker is you don't see the audience. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You don't know if they're falling asleep or if they're... <laughs> well, and then it, like if you have like speaking, like if you have some anxiety with it, you can just pretend they're not there. <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's kind of what I do. I sort of just act it out. I just sort of act like I'm acting, you know, and, yeah. and, and just, and just pretend they're not there and it's fine. And, um, wow. and then, you know, then I became a licensed massage therapist and it was, it's what it was, was one step at a time, mm. one step at a time. So do one thing because you go, you'll get into it and you won't know what you're doing. Then you'll start to feel like, you know what you're doing. And then you'll start to get yeah. the spark for the next step. Then you take that next step and then you take the next step and then you take the next step. And the important thing is that always, always look for people who have gone through it. Mm. Um, yeah. No matter what it is, talk to people, find people who have gone through it or, or who are going through it because yeah. the other people who have never experienced it, they can have the best intentions, but they're not going to get it. They're not right. going to get it. It's true. No matter what your situation is, whatever, trauma, grief, you know, life stuff that happens. If you can talk to people that have an understanding about what you're going through, it's, it's so much more helpful. And I love Jennifer, how you, you had the courage because it does take courage. And you called your mom, you called somebody and said, I'm drowning here and I'm scared that I can't do this, you know, and I think that first step 
is so huge. And, you know, you called your mom and your mom didn't probably didn't know that much either. But she says, wait a minute, your dad's a lion and I'm a lion. I belong to Lions Club International and I'm actually the vision chair for the state of Colorado. And yeah, it's. So it was awesome. I'm just sitting here doing my little happy lion dance while you're talking about that, because that's what lions are supposed to do. We're, we are not, we are knights of the blind. Um, so many clubs, um, across not just the United States, but across the world, they kind of had lost touch with helping the blind. Um, Uh you know, they, they have this glad, this wonderful, you know, glass recycle program. That's an international project where, you know, countries like the United States, we collect used eyeglasses and we, we send them to, you know, impoverished countries around the world. And and that's beautiful and wonderful, but it's not helping the blind because when you, when you have somebody who's, you know, nearsighted, farsighted, whatever it is, and you can put a pair of glasses on them, and they see 2020, that is not helping the blind. That's correct. <laughs> what's, what's helping the blind is like what what your dad did, which is, um, wait, there are these resources and services that are, that are out here. And, um, you know, with your mom's help, your dad's help, with the lion's help, they connected you to those resources. And they put a white cane in your hand and they... They taught uh-huh. you how to label and they taught you computer skills and they gave you that support so that you could, you know, take this situation, this new life um, path that you were thrown into and, and actually be successful. And that's that's what lions, that's what we're supposed to be doing out there, lions. So if there's any of you listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jenna, Jennifer and I are prime example of when lions do what they're supposed to do, um, the success that comes out of it, because one of the things that I wanted to bring up is we have a mutual friend, uh, Emily Breeden. Hey, Emily, I know you listen. Yes. You, you are a faithful After Sight podcast listener. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've known Emily uh, for a long time, and we've had so many beautiful adventures together. And we've both been there for each other when we've gone through some of that dark times. Um, as well. And can you share how the two of you met? Yes. So there was a yoga festival up in Coco. Um, and I went to it with a friend and we were walking around and we were stopping at every table or every booth. And I had my white cane with me because my guide dog is retiring in two weeks mm, and he oh. just couldn't handle an entire an entire yoga festival. So we stayed at home and I had my white cane and um, we walked up to this table and my friend was reading the information on the table to me and reading me what to me, what it was and what this person was representing. And she walked over to me and she introduced herself and I introduced myself and she told me, I asked her, you know, what her training is and who she is and all that. And and then she said, so I see your white cane. She says, I, I was involved with the um, the blind community in Colorado. And that's how we started chatting. And yeah. that's how your name came up. I wanted her number anyway because of her field, because I have clients asking for referrals and in all types of areas. And so yeah. I got her in. Well, we exchanged info. And then she sent me your info. And, and here oh. we are. 
I know. Yes. And I, and I really hope that that kind of motivates people. I know Gina Harper was, I interviewed her um, about a couple of months ago on here. And one of the things she brought up too, is that never pass up an opportunity to meet somebody because everybody, everybody is a connection of some sort. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that I, that Jennifer, that you mentioned is that you're a healer. And Mm -hmm. can you share more about that? I didn't know exactly what that meant until I became this version of myself. I believe that I was being prepared my entire life to be here where I am right now. And, you know, I was, as a personal trainer, I was learning the body and learning how it, it moved and things like that and how to strengthen. And then as a paramedic, I was deeper into the body, but it, a different way of healing. And then I was forced into my new life um, as a yoga teacher and as a body worker. And I, I do Reiki and energy healing and, and inspirational speaking, which also can be healing for people. And so what I try to do is help people to find the mind-body connection and find balance in mm-hmm. those as much as possible in the moment that we can. It's always fluxing. Everything's moving, you know, all the time. So I believe um, that everything that happens to us has, has the opportunity to store in our bodies and cause pain, cause suffering, cause disease. And by either meditating, pranayama, breath work, moving the body, asana, mm-hmm. yoga practice, working out, whatever, you know, whatever you can do, yeah. we, can, we can release that um, energy. We can keep it moving so it doesn't get stuck. Uh, I believe that we made the choice to come here and embody as a human, we, you know, you made the choice to come down here and be Penn. I made the yes. choice to come down here and be Jennifer. Yeah. And therefore we should embrace that humanity that, that we have. So embrace this body and use her to guide you in this life. Because from what I've realized is that my body always has the answer. Um, you know, you get a gut feeling when something's not right. Yeah. That's your body telling you that something's not right. If your ankle hurts, your body's telling you something's not right. If your neck is hurting or your lower back, you know, if and if you listen to your body, and there are multiple different ways of doing this. Sometimes it's just stretch. Sometimes it's work out harder. Sometimes it's you ate too much cheese and now you have joint pain <laughs> in your joints. You know, yeah. sometimes it's that. But sometimes it's um, it's psychological. It's spiritual. It's emotional. Like, for example, I had um, I was working with a client who had left hip pain her for years. Mm -hmm. And as I'm working on her hip, so I'm clear cognizant. So I download information. Um, Mm -hmm. I was, uh, started thinking about this friend who betrayed me and hurt me really bad. She was a very good friend of mine, but she abandoned me when I lost my vision and she Uh did a lot of bad things. And, um, (laughs) I immediately started thinking of her. And so I asked the client, I said, do you have a friend who has betrayed you in a horrible way? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's why your hip is hurting. You know, that's, that's the energy in your hip because our hips are where we, we store heartache, pain and suffering. Oh. And I said, let's breathe into that. Let's release it. Let's, I forgive her. I forgive myself. I release it. I let it go. Let's go through the forgiveness process. And I gave her some homework of release and some breath work and some movement. And she did it. And her hip pain went away. That hip pain that she had had for years. 
that's one way I do it. And um, there are a lot of different ways. It depends on the needs of the person. Wow. Wow. What would be a good first step? So like you're inspiring me to get back into yoga practice and and some of the other healing things that I've I've kind of put to the sidelines just with such a busy life. Mm -hmm. But what would you because I know when I go to a brand new yoga class, it's it's very intimidating because the you may or may not know the instructor. They probably you're probably their first blind or visually impaired uh, student in the class. But what would be a good first step for because, you know, ob- obesity is rampant in the blind and visually impaired community. I mean, throughout the United States, but it really hits the blind and visually impaired community harder on a lot of levels. Yeah. What would be a good first step for somebody who's sitting there on their couch? Yeah. And- so it's easy and it's not easy. Um, the first thing I would say is go to YouTube and find a chair yoga um, video. Oh. Now here's where our challenge comes in. Is the teacher going to language good enough? Mm. And so now you, you and I have in this discussion, I'm going to make some chair yoga videos. <laughs> so good. I do because I, um, I, I, the videos that I have up on my YouTube channel, I did during COVID from all my clients that couldn't come out and I did a lot of languaging. So everybody could, right. could do it. But, um, I haven't done any in a long time. So I, I, all the time I send my clients, I tell them, you know, do some, do 15 minutes of chair yoga on YouTube and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's the first step. I would try that and I would keep trying videos until you find one that is, um, the, the teacher is good enough to where you can understand it and you can do the practice. Right. And then the next step is if you have the funds, I would hire a private yoga teacher and I would hire one, make sure that you tell them that you're visually impaired, make sure they have a lot of experience and that, you know, a yoga therapist would be great or another, or a yoga teacher who's also a massage therapist would be great because what you want is someone who's going to put their hands on you. Right. So you want a teacher, make sure you ask if the teacher is comfortable doing physical assistance and adjustments. Okay. And because if they don't, then you're probably... In my experience, you're not going to get the full benefit of the posture because they're going to be yeah. languaging, but I don't care how much you language, oh, even, the best, even the best student, even the person with the most body awareness still is not going to fully get it or they're not going to get fully in the postures, you know, as far as they can go. But if you, if your teacher will put their hands on you and help assist you into it, you'll go yes. deeper, you'll feel it more and you'll be safer. Yeah. Um, so ask for a teacher that will do that. If you, and then also, um, Try to go to a class if it's your first time in yoga or you're new at it or you have a lot of injuries or something like that or difficulty with mobility. Go to a beginner yoga class and make sure it says beginner yoga. Okay. Um, you could find a gentle yoga class. A gentle yoga is not, you know, that's okay too. But make sure it either says beginner yoga or gentle yoga. Okay. Arrive early and go over to the teacher and talk to the teacher. Um, this is where a lot of people mess up and when they don't have a good um, experience with the teacher, right. you have to go over and talk to the teacher and tell the teacher and tell them, you know, I, this is what I do. I say, have you ever taught a visually impaired person before? Most of the time it's no. One time I actually had a yoga teacher who used to teach the blind and she was the oh. best teacher ever. Oh, I know, I like right? That. So, but most of the time they'll say no. And then I just tell them, okay, 
um, then you need to language clearly. And I just use, for example, don't say, reach your arm out like this and then bring it up <laughs> over here. And then I say, reach your arm out to the side, straighten your elbow, yeah. arm is parallel to the earth, turn your palm up towards the sky. You know, Beautiful. that's Beautiful. So that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And so I tell them that and they're okay. And I say, if I'm doing something different than what you're saying, it means I don't know what you're asking for and you're not languaging appropriately. Wow. And I say, so you keep languaging or come over and put your hands on me until I'm doing what you're asking me to do. Right. And so I put it on them because it is their responsibility. Yeah. And it's your responsibility to listen, but it's the teacher's responsibility to make sure that the people in her class, as long as you co- go to an appropriate class, a beginner class or a gentle class, then that teacher is going to do their best. They should do their best to make sure you have a, you know, a positive experience and you do the best you can for yourself in that moment. But if you just walk into a, quote, yoga class, and it could be a level two or a level three, then mm-hmm. you're going to have a problem. <laughs> because yeah. you can go talk to the teacher and always talk to the teacher first. If it's a teacher that doesn't know you, always. And, um, but they can't, you know, they're not going to be able to help you if you're a beginner because right. you're in the wrong level class. You know, right. it's like learning. It's like your first time driving, you could get on the track, you know, in Daytona. It's that's right. just not how it works. <laughs> You've got to go to a beginner or a gentle class. I fully expect the teacher to do what I'm asking. Right. So don't feel bad about insisting, you know, like I've had a teacher say, well, I model the class and I'm like, well, that's not going to work for me. I'm visually impaired. So this is what I'm going to need for you to do so that I'm successful in your class. And if they say no, go to a different class. Like it's And and so that was the next thing. Yeah. If they say no, (laughs) then they're actually not being a good yoga teacher. Yeah. That's, that's the bottom line. They're not being a good yoga teacher. And also it could just be that that's not your teacher too. So I've had one teacher that was, terrible. And I said Mm -hmm. to her, you know, this is what I need. And she, she said back to me, well, you know how to listen, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do know how to listen. (laughs) I do. And, um, she sat up on the stage the whole time and she did the class, which is what you're not supposed to do as a yoga teacher. That's like, that's beginner level teaching. You're, you know, in my training and all the trainings that I've had, you don't sit up on the top of the front of the class and do the class. You should be walking around. You should be checking right. in with your students. You should, you know, you should be teaching and not right. practicing. And, um, right. and so that was a bad class. That was hard for me. And, um, I couldn't follow and I complained, you know, to the, to the management about her. Right. And, um, so mm-hmm. if you go to one class and you say you get that teacher who's the jerk, and if you get that teacher, then that's, you know, go to another class. Because every single yoga class and every single teacher is different. And so um, try at least five different classes before you say, I hate yoga and I don't ever want to do it, you know? Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And also, I would recommend going to a smaller class. And even though probably everything in you wants you to put your mat down at the back of the class, Mm -hmm. put it up front so that, Mm -hmm. you know, that, the teacher does not overlook you or forget about you because yeah. if you're front and center and also the smaller classes, I think it's easier to get that attention versus if it it's a is. very large class. Um, yes. It's, it's harder, you know? Yes. Yes. And um, that's definitely a good point is go to a smaller class. And then, you know, I also ask the teacher, where's the best place for me to be so that you can see me and I can make sure that I get attention from you. So that that's, yeah, that's another good point. So you were talking about um, that you're, you're a connector now. And 
I, I know in my own life, when I hit the point that I was the one that people were coming to asking for advice or to speak on a topic, it really kind of startled me because it's it, it doesn't take much, right, to be the one that's the audience. And then now you're the one on stage. Right. And mm-hmm. um, is there a way for people to reach out to you, Jennifer, to, to find out more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Through my um, through my website and uh, innersightliving.com. So um, I-N-N-E-R site, S-I-G-H-T living.com and um, or innersightliving at gmail.com is my email. I can definitely do my best, you know, to assist anybody that reaches out. It is hard finding people, like you said, that can do the language, right? They can, Mm -hmm. um, because we're not visual at all. It is strictly audio and and it it really does take a skill. Yes. And I teach a class called Yoga in the Dark where I blindfold everyone. And that that was actually, that was my... um, my class that I created while I was in yoga teacher training, because what I noticed was how much trouble all the sighted people had because they were worried about so much, you know, they Mm. were looking around at each other. They were comparing themselves to each other. And I didn't do any of that because I couldn't see anybody around me. You know, I mean, I could see them, but I couldn't see them that well. And I also just didn't, I didn't care. You know, I was in it for, for me and my experience, which is what you're supposed to be doing. So, yeah, so I blindfold them and I've taken students of mine that have been mine for a while and they finally come to my yoga in the dark class and their practice is completely different. Like they'll, when they're in a regular class, they're looking around, they're making mistakes because the person next to them made a mistake and they're they're just, you know, they're doing all this weird stuff and, you know, and then I blindfold them and suddenly they're just flowing beautifully. Yeah. And um, it's it's really interesting. Um, I, I think that I that everybody should should try that. They should at least close their eyes and just listen. But they should definitely try something probably blindfolded and and um, try a class like that. I agree with. Oh, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Jennifer, what what would you like your takeaway to be today for the audience? Life is hard. And we need tools to survive it. (laughs) So um, find those tools. Uh, Mm. Develop yourself spiritually. Develop yourself physically, uh, mentally. Uh, Prepare. Prepare for the challenges that are coming because they are coming. They are coming. And you've probably already met a few of them, you know, and I know you have. But we've probably already met a a few challenges. More are coming. And they're not going to get any easier. The only way they get easier is because we can face them with our tools. Yeah. And then when you hit, you know, some kind of brick wall, um, make sure that you talk to and reach out to the people who have already been there, done that. Oh. Um, you, you will have some people in your life, I hope, that you can talk to that are supportive and loving who will say, you know what, I don't know how you feel, but I love you and I'm here to support you. But then go find those people that say, you know what? That happened to me. I know exactly how you feel. Find those people because yeah. they're going to give you more hope. They're going to give you more um, more strength, I think, to me personally. They, get, they gave me more strength. The next thing is when things are being taken away, when 
life is changing and you're losing, you're losing your life the way you thought it was supposed to be, or you're losing something that you thought you needed or you had to have, let it go because, um, something greater is being created for you and it's specific for you. And all you have to do is have some faith, move forward, use all those tools that you've, you know, been acquiring in your toolbox to get you through that dark hallway. And then in the future, sometime, don't really know when it's going to be, but it's going to come and that door is going to crack open. And then it's your job to push that door open and walk through it into your new life that has been created for you and designed specifically for your, your gifts and your blessings. That's beautiful. That's I love (laughs) that, Jennifer. Thank you. And we'll definitely have Jennifer's website and email in the podcast notes. But if you do have, you know, if you struggle with getting those, you can always reach, always reach out to AINC and we can connect you with Jennifer. So Jennifer, I've been, Firing questions at you. I always give my guests um, an opportunity to ask me a question. Do you have a question for me? The questions that I had, you actually answered. um, You were talking to uh, Lex. I was listening to Lex's and Jerome's and then was it Gina's or Gina? Yeah, Gina. Okay, so all those questions you like answered in there. So I have one question. When are we going downhill skiing? (laughs) Because I'm ready. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, right now I'm in the middle of trying to heal this this last little injury. Um, but yeah, I I would love to have you out and to go skiing. Have you have you skied before? I have not skied since I've been visually impaired. Oh, so we got to get you out to Colorado. There's so yes. many amazing adaptive programs out here. So we'll definitely stay in touch and uh, we'll bring Emily. You come out too and we'll, oh, we'll, have, a, we'll have a great, great time. Um, and I know we've connected on uh, our hike that will be this summer too. And we'll have you out, you and Emily out for that as well. So Yes, and I have another visually impaired friend I'm going to bring. Awesome. So and probably maybe maybe a couple of more a couple more. So, yeah, she's one of my clients, and um, oh, and I have a couple more that I want to invite. So uh, yeah, that would be awesome. I'm, lo- I'm so looking forward to it. Oh, maybe we'll um, have you do some stretches. Get everybody do some stretching and yoga poses at the top with everybody. Oh, I can totally that, do that. That would be that would so be, much fun. That would be so beautiful. Oh, well, yeah. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking time and. Um, I know we've had some technical difficulties, but uh, we persevered and, and created something absolutely beautiful today and I, that I'm very proud of. And um, oh, I really hope everybody out there, Jennifer, touches your life the way she has mine. So thank you so much, Jennifer. And thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for doing, you know, this podcast. This is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't even know about it until I met Emily. And I'm so glad I know now and I'm sharing it. And it's wonderful. And th- oh. I appreciate you and I appreciate your work. And thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. And I, I, as always, I definitely want to thank Audio Information Network of Colorado. I want to thank everybody on the team. Uh, you do all the hard work. You do the heavy lifting on not only Aftersight, but Blindsight topic of the month and all of our programming that we have for people. And, you know, remember that you can donate to AINC on our website. You just need to go to 
um, AINcolorado.org. And like Jennifer was talking about resources and services, AINC, we have a ton of resources and services that you can look up and connect into those communities. Um, there, there's no reason that you have to feel alone out there because you're not. Uh, we are everywhere. <laughs> so, yes, we are. <laughs> uh, and also just a shout out to Colorado Lions and all the lions out there that are um, being Knights of the Blind for people just like Jennifer and I. AINC's White Cane Project has launched and the Colorado Lions have been a big part of that. So if you are in need in, of, a, of a white cane and live in Colorado, please look us up, aincolorado.org, and you can apply for a free white cane through us. So, And most important this week, be kind to yourself and find a way to be kind to somebody else because it's good for your soul. Jennifer, thank you. Thank you all. And thank I will you. see you. See you next week. Thank you.